Hallelujah. Just before we go to the Word, I want everybody to stand up one more time, and I want you to lift your hands, and I want you to give God a praise. This is Day of Thanks. We're going to thank God. Amen. Not because it's Thanksgiving Day, but because He's a great God. He's done great things, and we're just going to praise Him. Come on, everybody. Everybody in this house, I want you to give God praise. Come on, just open your mouth. Shout out praises. Come on. Thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Come on, just open your mouth and shout out praises. Hallelujah. We give you glory. We bless you. We magnify you. Come on, you can do it. Shout them out. Just shout them out. I know you're scared to shout them out. It won't hurt you. Come on, shout them out. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise. We give you praise. This is our day of thanks. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. I thank you. I give you praise. I magnify you. I glorify you. Thank you for coming through. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for letting us meet the right people. Thank you, Lord, you open doors. Thank you, Lord, that you make a way. Thank you, Lord, that you give us favor. Lord, we give you praise. Hallelujah. Come on, you can do it. Come on, everybody. Praise him. Praise him. I mean, really praise him. Come on, just lift your voice. Give him shouts of praise. We thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Now, before I preach, I plan to preach and stir, stir you up. I want to get zeal in you today. So I want everybody to say, preach it, Pastor Steve. Oh, that's really lame. I want you to act like I'm T.D. Jakes. Amen. You know, and I want you to just, I mean, you can do a little of this with it. Thank you. Preach it, Pastor. All right, here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Say hallelujah. Woo, that's good. All right, I want some preacher tone right now. Come on, everybody. Come on, preach like the preacher's preaching. Come on. Come on, I'm preaching. I'm getting ready to stir you up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. Come on, you're going to help me preach today. Hallelujah. All right, you may be seated. Now, I I almost came down off the platform and walked back to some seats. Y'all act like y'all don't yell and scream, but when you get in a fight with your husband, do you yell at him? But y'all get all silent, because I know y'all do. All you women, you yell, and then you men, you're like, I'm not even, I'm not, I don't want to hear all that. I'm, you know, I know you raise your, I've been to football games. I've seen you at football games. See, I sit about five rows back near the middle. I get to see everybody on every side. So I see those of you at the football games, and I don't just go to Wilson's football game. So those of you that go to football games, I've seen you. I've heard you from about nine bleachers down. So I know what we're going to do today is shout. This is, let me tell you something. I, I walked in this morning. I was pretty excited. I thought, hey, I'm going to a Pentecostal church this morning. People were shouting. Amen. You know, when, we're, when, we, when we really know, when we really know, I mean, this is what it's about. This is Thanksgiving Sunday for us. It's our day. We're going to take communion in a few minutes. To thank God for his, his eternal life and his healing that he gave to us. To, to, I mean, to just say thank you and respond with a thank you and, and, and give glory and honor to the one who gave to us. How many of you know, listen, when you woke up this morning, your first breath should have been, thank you, Jesus. When you drove to church this morning and, and you made it here down the highway and somebody didn't come out their driveway and hit the side of your car, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want you to know, things happen all over this world. I was watching on the news, and there were four or five kids that were killed in a house at a college recently. And uh, they, they, they showed where, and I don't mean this to be gory or anything, but there was so much blood that, was, uh, that happened in this murder that blood was running out the, the side of the house and the doors. That wasn't your kid. I'm sad for them, but I, I want, you know, you ought to wake up in the morning and go, thank God. My children made it home. Thank God they're still alive. Thank God that he watched over them. Thank God that he kept me when I shouldn't have been kept. Thank God he, he, he was there. How I many you know God is there? He's able to watch over us. And that this is those moments. Preach it, pastor. Come on, try it out. Preach it, pastor. Amen, amen. I mean, I want to hear some of this. Because I'm preaching real good already. 
I've already started in the right direction. I've already started saying what needed to be said. We've got to thank Him every day that we wake up with thanks, giving in our hearts. we got to give Him thanks. When you made it out of the hospital, you ought to thank Him. When you didn't die from COVID, you ought to thank Him. When you didn't get on a respirator, you ought to thank Him. When you had money in the bank to pay your bills, you ought to thank Him. I notice nobody's thin and skinny in here. That means nobody's starving in this house. You ought to thank Him. Come on, somebody. God is worthy of our praise. We got to drop off some pride. We got to let go of some of this inhibition and we got to praise Him. Come on and praise Him. Come on, everybody, praise Him. Come on, don't let one person sit in the room and not praise Him. Hallelujah. Let me get you stirred up. Let me get you stimulated. Hallelujah. When I wake up for the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Somebody's got a praise that the world didn't give you and the world can't take it away. Come on, this is day of thanksgiving. Stir it up. David stirred up the gift that was in him. Stir it up. Forget about who's sitting next to you. Forget about who's listening to you. Forget about all those things. And give God some praise. Mm. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 That's what's missing in some of you. You have forgotten how to praise. You keep looking at the little things and forgetting that God has tipped you. I'm just happy I've got hair on my head today. I'm happy I've got shoes on my feet today. I'm happy that my car started this morning. I was glad that my children made it to church. I tell you what I've got more to praise Him for than I've got in the world to think about bad things. I just want you to know God is good. You gotta act like God is good. You gotta talk like God is good. You gotta think like God is good. You gotta walk like God is good. You gotta act like God is good. You gotta praise Him in the good times. You gotta praise Him in the bad times. You gotta praise Him when it's up. You gotta praise Him when it's down. You gotta praise Him in the middle. Let everything, let everything, I didn't make it up, it's not what I said. Let everything that have breath, praise ye the Lord. Let everything that's got breath, come on somebody, praise ye the Lord. Praise Him on the timbrel and the deck. Praise Him on the stringed instrument. Praise Him, let everything, come on somebody, come on and praise Him, praise Him. Sit down, sit down, sit down. I'm going to preach one of them kind of messages this morning, so y'all just hang with me. I'm going to give you 25 minutes, maybe 30. Depends on how good I feel, but I feel pretty good. Turn over with me right now, Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, starting at the 11th verse. If you're new to Family Worship Center, said, we don't do this at my church. Well, something wrong with your church. I mean that in the nicest of ways. The Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise you the Lord. Shabbat is one of those words. That's a shout with a loud voice. We're to shout, lift up holy hands. We're to dance, sing. Whatever we can do to praise him, that's what we're supposed to do. Look at your neighbor and say, you better praise him today. Are you ready? And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through Samaria and Galilee. <clears throat> I'm, gonna, I'm going to just 
just read the scriptures and do a little bit of narrative preaching. This is the scripture I'm going to use and I'm going to narrate. In the narration, I'm going to give some information. When I give the information, I want you to get the point of what God wants to do in your life. You've got a lot to shout about. You've got a lot to praise him about. And when we come to church, listen, when we come to church, church is the celebration of the week of blessings. I mean, I don't think people understand that. They think that the church is the place they come for the blessings. No, we come to get the word from church, but ultimately the purpose of the church is the celebration of the blessings. It is that I made it from this Sunday to next Sunday. And in making it from this Sunday to next Sunday, when I get to next Sunday, he has brought me through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and the first thing Sunday morning. The reason I came to church was to celebrate God, was to give God glory, was to be among fellow believers in worship, and to come in, and together we magnify the Lord. He said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us. And we're supposed to lift up holiness. We're supposed to be involved in praise and worship. And so as I begin to preach, as the songs begin to sing, he said, I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. So when I walked through the door, I didn't come expecting somebody to give me thanksgiving. I didn't come expecting somebody to hand me praise. I didn't come expecting somebody to stir me up. Yeah, I just want to come to the point where nobody has to get up here. I sometimes feel like a cheerleading uh, 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 sponsor or something and I'm trying to get y'all to cheer and trying to get y'all to holler some of y'all so sophisticated you didn't know that the check you got this week God got it for you and that the breath you breathe you got through Jesus you didn't understand see as believers see the world might not understand this but believers ought to understand this without Jesus you can't go to heaven but because of Jesus you're on your way that's enough to shout every minute of every hour of every day when will it come to the point that somebody don't have to come yank your hair and twist your arm pull out your nails and hope that you'll shout we ought to shout to God with a voice of triumph everybody in this room ought to be shouting you ought to shout when you get in the door you ought to praise when you come in the door before they ever start the music before the first note ever hits we ought to be saying thank God thank God I made it thank God I came through thank God he delivered me thank God I'm free I'm free at last thank God Almighty I'm free he whom the Son has set free is free indeed somebody ought to shout out I'm free I'm delivered I'm st- preach it pastor preach it pastor go ahead preach it pastor say it say it come on get it out get it out come on I'm not done some of you guys over here silent and quiet I need to hear something come on come on come on come on say it preach it that's what I need to hear come on Come on, the Lord's good. Say it. Get it out. Get it out. Feel we already just stand up and do a little bit of. I got a cold, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyhow. My voice may be cracky, but God don't care about cracky voices. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. When I get to preaching about the goodness, for the Lord is good. When the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, I will dance like David danced. I will clap like David clapped. I will jump like David jumped. I'll run like David run. Hallelujah. He went leaping and jumping and praising God. He went leaping. Come on, Pentecostal church. Come on, Holy Ghost church. Give him some praise. If you haven't done it yet, do it now. If you haven't got through the flesh, get through the flesh. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. And as he entered into certain villages, there met him ten men that were lepers that stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourself to the high priests. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And with a loud voice, he glorified God. Fell on his face at his feet. Giving him thanks because he was a Samaritan. Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you better not be a nine. Where are the nine? Find somebody and say, don't be a nine. Don't be a nine. Hallelujah. I'm going to get this in this morning. We're not a nine. Where, Jesus says, where are the nine? If I had to put a title on my sermon, that would be the title. Where are the nine? Now, I mean this. I'm excited about Thanksgiving. There's a couple things that happen. When we go on, vac- on, on Thanksgiving, normally families come together and eat. And I'm good with that. That's a tradition for y'all. But our tradition is to go to the beach. Somebody shout sand. <laughs> I can't wait. You know, I take my kids. We all go get in a hotel room. And then we go eat at restaurants and maybe go see a movie. But my wife is a shopper. I'm not a very good shopper. She knows it. I, like I said, I'm more like entertainment on the trip. And I used to be a fussy shopper. Does any of these husbands get that? When are we going to be done? Where are we going? Are we going home? When are we going to finish? When are you going to die? What are you looking for? That was me. I don't do that anymore. God has anointed me. I have a shopping. <laughs> Ladies, pray for your husband that God will give him the shopping anointing somebody say amen it's called the see because we can operate in the gift of faith that's what this is it's the gift of faith in operation the working of miracles (laughs) so she likes to shop we go all night we go all night we go all night we shop all night long and then we always buy a christmas tree on the way home we go to a christmas tree farm in one of the cities and we go cut down a tree and so that's going to be my holidays. I'm excited about that. Can't wait to go on my holidays. And I'm glad for Thanksgiving. We celebrated it. It's a national holiday. However, my Thanksgiving today, we're celebrating this not because of Thanksgiving Day. It just falls at a right time for us to emphasize what we as believers ought to do. We as believers spend too much time in the negative. We spend too much time commenting on and living in the negative. When we talk, we don't talk about the positives. We don't build each other up. We find ways to be constructive in, you know, advising and giving it. You know, instead of saying, listen, you know what the Lord did today? How good God. And we need to change our tune a little bit. You see, uh, as we go through the scripture, I'm, I'm going to need to finish reading. And then we're going to go back and we're going to narrate this scripture. I want you to get this. But I want praise to be part of our everyday life. And I want to emphasize it today along with Thanksgiving Day because we need to emphasize the problems. I mean, the the solutions. And when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priests. Well, let's go back to verse 13. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he had mercy on them. He had, uh, and have mercy on us. And he saw them and said to them, go show yourself to the priest. It came to pass when they went their way, one of them saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks because he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered, was there not 10? Where are the nine? There are not found. They are not found that return to give glory to God. Save this stranger. And he said to them, Arise, go thy way, thy faith. Or said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you whole. 
Let me give you a backdrop of the story. We're in Jerusalem or going to Jerusalem, and he's coming through these cities, Galilee being one of them. And as he's coming through the city, you have to understand that he's going to come to a town with no name. But the cities that we're seeing here, Galilee and Samaria, they are not the, uh, ad, the advantaged people. They're not the Jerusalem people. Those two cities were mixed cities. They had mixed people in them. And they were not law-giving people. They weren't law-type uh, people. Now, there were people there that were that way, but there was this mixture that was always in these two cities. And Jesus found himself traveling oftentimes between them. Obviously, transportation was different back then. You walked, you didn't ride, you have cars and stuff like that. And so because he's walking between these two cities, you have to understand the, 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 the preface of the two cities. First of all, as outcast cities, people are there that don't fit the mold of what everybody else accepts. How many of you ever, I mean, when we look around us and we think about how, how Jesus ministered to people, did you notice he always seemed to find himself among the outcasts, among the unaccepted, uh, the, the, the people that didn't fit in the routines? The people that were always, the, 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 I'll call them the mixed up group, the unaccepted group. He found himself among those people. As a matter of fact, in Galilee alone, I want to give you a few statistics. Number one, all of the disciples, all of his disciples except for one came from that group of people. All of them except for one disciple came from this mixed up bunch. That's when you think about when God says he takes the, the, the little and makes much out of it. Or the, or the unwise and uses them in spite of what people think of them. And how he, because God takes what people reject and turns it into the value that people accept. How many of you understand? If today you're sitting in this room and you feel rejected and outside of the norm and like you're off by yourself and you don't fit in and I don't know where I fit. Don't feel bad about that. God knows how to find you and help you in the middle. He's not, it's not always the people who have their act always together and got all the stuff worked out that God wants to use. He wants to take the shy and the embarrassed and the ones that don't fit in and the ones that aren't sure of themselves and the insecure. And he wants to put security in you. And he wants to put strength in you. When you're weak, he's strong. When you're poor, he makes you rich. You can say, well, thank God he's bringing me out. Come on, somebody, he's bringing me out. You might not believe this, but before I went in the ministry, strangely enough, I got used a lot of times. I would volunteer for things that I didn't fit in. But I had massive stage fright. Huge stage fright. Like, really bad stage fright. And, and I, was, I was singing at Brother Hagin's meeting. Thousands of people were at this meeting, and they'd given me a song to sing. And as God is my witness, I couldn't remember the words. So, before the service, I wrote the words on my hand. All the words on my hand. Now, if you've ever been, you, none of you knew Brother Hagin's ministry. If you did, you knew he had Ramah Singers and Band and all that stuff. They were the best of the best. I mean, he hired real, you know. Now, my church is using me because I had a little bit of a voice, but I can't, I now can't remember the words. I've written the words down on my hand. My, my, my then girlfriend is sitting about two rows back or right on the front row, maybe because she wants to see me sing. When I get on the platform, my, my, my pants were tucked in my sock. You, you understand what I'm saying here. This is Brother Hagen. This, this is not like, you know, church of 30. And I can't, I can't remember the words. So the song went more like this. With my, and my, my girlfriend's on the front row. She's like almost crying. Please, please. And I don't know. I get off the platform just to get done. She says, your pants are tucked in your sock. Oh, I know, I know at this moment, see. I tell you these stories because, let me tell you something, if God could use anybody, yes. if God could use anybody, yes. you're looking at somebody and thinking, look what God did with him, but you don't know. Oh. <laughs> That's right. you, you see, you don't know where I came from. You don't know what I went through to get to here. 
You don't know the, the moments God had to. I was an outcast. I was separated. I didn't fit the crowd. I wasn't somebody ever. When I went to Pastor Reggie and told him I was going to start a church, I thought he was going to fall out of the chair. He couldn't believe that that was what I was going to do. The Lord told me to do it. I don't know what to tell you, but when God says to do something, it doesn't matter what your personality is. It doesn't matter what the crowd said. It doesn't matter whether people accepted you or not. It doesn't matter whether you were a failure. Many of you have gone through life and thought, well, I failed. God can never use me. God doesn't base it on whether you succeeded or failed. He saw your beginning from your end. Stop bowing down. Stop falling down. Stop sitting down. Stop being discouraged. Stop being tore apart. Stop letting people dictate to you how you feel. Stop worrying about whether you made a mistake. Listen to me. If God can use me, he can use anybody. Stop feeling like a failure. Stop feeling like you didn't live up. Stop feeling like you weren't high enough. You weren't elevated enough. You didn't fit the mold. God don't care about your mold. God's got a better plan. God knows what he's doing. God knows how to anoint. God knows how to call. God knows how to help. When Amy and I started this church, we had people that had experience and had built churches before. As a matter of fact, one family that had come here had come here to start a church. When they saw our sign on the building, they knew about my pastor. They had gone to Ramah, came to our church, great people. But we didn't know nothing. I'm just being honest. When you talk about green, sometimes I wish I, like I said, I, I just had to start where I had to start. But they, we did our first, we were going to do a prayer, a women's meeting. Now, my wife is just, she loves kids. If you've got kids, you put your kids in the children's ministry, they're going to love the kids' ministry. She just, she just bad at it. You know what I'm talking about? I think it's mayhem. I've been over there, it looks, and yet she has total control in the room. But she had never prayed over a meeting. She had never stood in front of women before. None of that stuff. I put her in the mess. And so in our first meeting, she goes to pray, doesn't know how to pray. One of the ladies had to pray over the meeting. She was inadequate, unable. She didn't have the, the stamp, you know. She couldn't play the piano. She couldn't sing alto. I mean, eh. See, when I was growing up, if, if you're a young man, you're going to go in the ministry, you've got to find you a piano playing alto singing woman. Now, no matter what she's ugly or not, can't she play? <laughs> God gave me this. And you have to understand, when I first started dating Amy, I need you to understand where he's coming. And why you got to praise him. Stop being so timid and intimidated by praise and worship. She couldn't talk. Now, I don't mean kind of or sort of. I'm talking about communication was a zero. And so she's going to college, and she just didn't talk very much. She smiled all the time. She was always happy, but she didn't say nothing. And so, I don't know, I fell in love with this girl. It was just God. It wasn't because she could talk. She couldn't cook. She couldn't talk. And yet, God, do you understand? I'm trying to give you a point of view here. And yet, God said, there she is. It wasn't anything on my list in terms of talking and, you know, she had, you know, education and she'd make money and those kinds of things. That'd be good. And when she told me what she wanted to do with life, she said she was going to be a veterinarian at first. And I was for that because you don't have to talk to dogs. <laughs> I'm thinking, this is perfect for you. You'd be a great veterinarian. A dog, you just bark at them or something. It's all going to be good, you know. Couldn't talk. She comes to me one day and she says, nope, I'm going to be a teacher. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, how are you going to be a teacher? How is that possible? You can't even talk. I don't know. She said I'm supposed to be a teacher. Got in her heart to be a teacher. Something happened. And then when she came into church, something happened. But she wasn't that when we got here. As a matter of fact, most of you in this room, every one of you has felt this way, that you've wanted to just quit. I'm not good enough, I'm not enough, I can't do enough, I'm not, I'm not, I can't fulfill the project, I don't have enough. That's why he said when you're weak, 
if you could only understand that it is in the weakness that God fulfills the plan. He supplies all your needs. You've got to go to God with the need and say, I'm inadequate. I'm unable. I'm standing on the outside. I'm not looking on the inside. And then you say to yourself, well, I should have. Well, it doesn't matter what you should have. God didn't say whether or not you, you, sh- you did what you should have done. God takes us where we are in our life at the moment we are. And He takes care of us and He fulfills His plan in us because they are not your plans. They are His plans. That's why I keep telling you, stop trying to do your plan and start doing His plan. Because if you get out of your plan and you get in His plan, it'll be blessed. And I'll tell you something else. Let me tell you something. Anointing on you means more than talent on you. Now, I know that you've got to have talent. But let me tell you something. When God comes on you. See, there was a man that had to, had to carry a message from the prophet. And the Bible said that he ran faster than the sheeps and the goats. He ran faster than, and he got there before they got there. He was inadequate, unable, and yet God put his hand on him and he could run faster Oh, I know you don't think you fit. But when God speaks to us, when God speaks to us and we obey, there is an outcome that comes from God. 25 of the 33 miracles Jesus did were done in Galilee or around Galilee. 19 of the 32 prophet, uh, prophetic utterances or the, parable, <laughs> or the parables that he gave were in the backdrop of Galilee. A vast majority of his ministry was in this area of people who were unwanted. People who were unaccepted. This is where we're coming from. Listen, I want, I want, when I get done with this, I want you to praise like you've never praised. Because I can tell you. And when you came to Christ, you were an unaccepted person. But Jesus brought you into acceptance. You were an alien from heaven. But now you are a citizen. Oh, hallelujah. That's a lot to shout about right there. The whole room ought to be shouting, thank God I've been brought home. Thank God I've been made a citizen of heaven. Thank God I've been lifted up. You weren't, you weren't good enough. Nothing you could do to, could elevate you. But God has elevated you. I want you to say this, I'm worthy. Because he said so. Let's go on, let's go on. So this is where we are. Jesus goes to those kinds of places. He finds people in those kinds of needs. When you feel unable. When you feel those intimidations. He knows where you are. He went to those villages. That's where he worked. Among those people. Verse 12 says, And as he entered into this certain village, realize this, this, this town had no name. But I've noticed something about people who, who, who have conditions or, or, or ailments or, you know, you know, we draw people kind of like ourselves around us. And the Bible says that, that he got to this city and there he was met by ten men who were lepers. Now, they were together because they were ostracized. They were together because they, they had commonality. They were not in the community because they'd been rejected from the community. Man, if, if you don't understand what I'm saying to you, I want you to get it. Get it, get it, get it. Lord, let them get it. They were rejected from the community. And so here he comes, and these ten people that have found commonality. You know, if somebody says, everybody around him is crazy, you ought to start thinking about yourself. That's kind of funny. That means you're probably crazy is what I'm trying to say. Because you draw people, you'll find that people are depressed. They tend to draw depressed people. I had an aunt that, that was always, you know, uh, you know, always had a bad knee if it was going to rain. You know, and it's rained on Tuesday and every time it rains, my knee hurts. Does anybody have family like that? My knee hurts. But she, and, and a couple of things she did, like, like if you went to her house, she wanted to kiss you on the lips. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, don't nobody. But Amy kissed me on my lips and my dog. Nobody laughed at that. You don't let your dog kiss y'all? I'm just, my dog don't kiss. That was a joke. 
<laughs> uh, I grew up in a house, listen, in the house that I grew up in, I'm, 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 time is running away on me. I grew up in a house where you, the only thing you washed in the sink was dishes. That's it. Nobody drank after nobody. Nobody ate after nobody. You didn't, you didn't pick stuff off of other people's plates. You didn't wash your shoes in the sink. The only thing in the toilet in, the, in that room was a toilet. You didn't have a bathtub in there. You, didn't have, you had to have a house that had the toilet in a separate room with a door. My mother bleached my shoes. And when I started dating Amy and she grabbed my coat for the first time and sucked out my straw, I about had a heart attack. She said, and gave it back to me. No, 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 you can keep it. You, you can keep it, y'all. You keep it. <laughs> it wasn't until I had a baby. You know, when Stephen was born and... It's just no way to get it. Babies are going to, you know, they're going to they get stuff everywhere. And that was the first time I think that even with Amy that I'd done anything other than what I'm talking to y'all about. Now I'm a whole lot different now. See, y'all have no idea where I came from. You have no idea. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a switched up folk. Why was I talking about this? Where was I going? Does anybody remember? I just got off on this. All right, let's get back to my story. This, this moment Jesus comes, there's 10 of them that are alike, drawn to each other, which is where I was. That we're drawn to people and we need to be understanding of how God does this. Begin to recognize, listen to me, begin to recognize people that are around you. And recognize that we draw people like us. Oh, I know what I was going to tell you. And this aunt of mine. <laughs> I remember. She always wanted to kiss me on my lips. Have you ever had, do you have any grandmother or auntie like She had big lips. Like I'm talking about tongue and lips. Not just little lips, but I'm talking like big tongue and lips. And she'd come and I mean lay one on your lips. I'm like young, like 12, and she's wanting to kiss me on the lips. It was like as soon as she was gone, I was like headed somewhere to throw up. You understand what I'm talking about? Because I grew up in a house. Recognize who you're around. But here he is. He walks in among all these outcasts, and these 10 guys who have a, a condition, they need help. They need adjustment. They need, that's us. I'm, I want you to draw the conclusion that's you every day. That's how you operate on your daily basis. Now, these guys, are, are they have leprosy. Now, leprosy is a, is a community debilitating disease at this time. They won't let you get around other people. They had discolored skin, sores on their body. They had spots all over themselves. They were uh, not only just, just sick, but they were diseased to the point you could see it. Their skin was discolored. And so they were, they were disfigured. The pigment on their skin had changed colors. And this is the people that are now asking him for help. And the Bible says they stood afar off. They're standing afar off from Jesus. And the reason is, is because they're outcasts. And the only way they can reach him, they're not noticeable because they're at a distance, is they did the next thing. The Bible says they lifted up their voices. You know, when I read this and I think about you as believers, I want you to know something. I've said this a lot and I'm going to say it again. Until you'll open your mouth and cry out for help, you're going to have problems getting your answers. You just don't realize you're at a distance. That's the problem. You think you're up close, that you're part of the group. You're part of this community. You have spots all over you. You've got problems that God wants to deliver you from. That's, I want to reason in your mind that when you have issues like this, that you're the outcast, that you're away from God, and that you're at a distance. But I'm going to let you know something. Until you open your mouth and begin to ask God for answers, until you cry out to God and lift up your voice, you're going to struggle with the answers. They lifted up their voice and cried out and said... Jesus, comma, master. Jesus, comma, master. The first thing they did is they knew and they had heard about Jesus or they wouldn't have been crying out to him. 
He said, Jesus, that's calling on salvation. They were calling on him as the Savior, calling on him as the person who could and would deliver them. They had heard of the miracles at a distance. They're calling on his help. When we call for him, we call on him. Now, some of you are still stuck at Savior. Some of you have only found him as Savior. You've only found him as the one who can get you to heaven. But the next word they used is the word master. In other words, master meant they were calling on him as the deliverer. Not only was he the Savior, but Lord come and deliver come deliver us we've got to get past just I'm ready to go to heaven and we've got to say I'm willing to surrender God whatever's wrong with me whatever the problem is God I'm willing to turn it over to you I'm willing to release it to you I'm willing to hand it over to you I'm not only going to call you my savior but I'm going to call you the one in charge I'm going to put you in control I'm going to lean on you when I can't lean on anybody else when man can't help me God can help me when man can't deliver me God can deliver me we've got to call out on Jesus the master Jesus master I love the, I love the next phrase have mercy on us do you know what the word mercy means This is what mercy means. Real simple. Simple word. It's when God gives you something you don't deserve. See, you deserve to die, but you you got something you didn't deserve. Eternal life. You deserved, you, you know, you deserve to be in cancer. But you get something you don't deserve, which is healing. Jesus, I give you control. Have mercy. Have mercy on me. Oh, if there's nothing, if you haven't even figured this out. I mean, at this point, if I would, I, I can't make you shout. I can't make you dance. I can't make you leap. I can't make you holler. But I want you to know something. If you just understood that the only way you got up this morning and the only way you took a breath was because God is a God full of mercy, full of tender mercies, that he came in the midst of all of your trouble and showed up because he's merciful, because he has full mercy on you. Mercy that you can't even understand is poured out on your life. If there's any anything we ought to just thank him for his mercy we ought to praise him that he did it for us when we didn't deserve it that he came through when we didn't even know come on somebody thank him for his mercy preach it pastor preach it have mercy on us jesus master have mercy on us we need the mercies of god When God gives you what you don't deserve, He doesn't give you what you deserve. He shows us tender mercies. Not only that, it's new mercies. They're fresh every day, every morning, every minute. Mercy. Some of you think you'll praise Him when He gives you something spectacular. And you get up and dance a little bit when the car payment's made or when somebody puts a new window in your house or when somebody, when you got a little money that came through the mail and you didn't know, now you're going to praise God. But you forgot. You, I just don't understand this. See, we don't just praise Him for what He is doing. We're not praising Him for what He's going to do. We're also praising Him for what He already did. How many of you, some of you have just forgotten? You just said, you, you be, all of a sudden you've got amnesia. You don't remember now that he brought you out and he kept you in the midst. Some of you should have lost your mind, but you didn't. Some of you should have been beaten down forever, but you weren't. Some of you shouldn't have made it out of the condition, but you did. So, I mean, you just forget about this one and that one and this moment and the other moment. And, and because pain only lasts at that certain moment. But listen to me, victory lasts forever. When you come through the pain and you come into the victory, it's it's time to shout and thank God when you made it out. Don't forget that he brought you out. Don't forget. I know maybe you say, well, I didn't know him then. But God's mercy is so good. And his grace is so wonderful that even when you didn't deserve it, that the goodness of God is what was leading you to repentance. That even when you were going through the beatings, even when you were going through the hate, even when the things were turned upside down, even when you were dying and about to fall apart, even when you didn't deserve it, he had mercy on you. Come on, somebody give God some praise. When you didn't know how the marriage would survive, but it did. It's because he had mercy on you. So oftentimes we recognize what we did when we're through it. But we didn't know what was wrong while we were in it. 
Oh, I know, I know. We come through it and we're like, well, it was my fault and this was the problem. And I wish I'd have done this and I should have been if I would have. If I would have. And we would. But you didn't. And yet God smoothed it all out. <laughs> I got a guy that just did cement in my, in my room. We had a water pipe right under the, in my wife's office. I had a guy come in Friday and put cement in. After they poured the cement, it's all rough. Rocks are still at the top. And this guy came in and he started smoothing it out, pushing the rocks down. What was a hole was filled with stuff. And when he got done, it's smooth as silk. That's what God does for us. We have holes in our life. We're disfigured. We're discolored. We don't fit the mold. And it looks like we could never be what God called us to be. But God's got the paddles. Somebody ought to praise Him right now. Somebody ought to thank Him right now. You say, I'm still the rocks on the top. Don't worry. Don't worry. As you you get what, listen, I'm almost done. I'll be done in a minute. Done in a minute. I'll be done in a minute. When He saw them. The rejected people, the nobodies, the people nobody could help. Listen, don't think you can do it. The worst thing is to try and do it on your own. When I'm weak, I can do all things. Somebody ought to shout out, through Christ. Through Christ. Come on, say it, through Christ. He saw them. I can't, can you imagine? He saw them. And he said to them. The words, in, and, in, and he said to them, it means he gave them instructions. He gave them instructions. You know, when God gives us instructions, when we have the word of God, and we walk by faith and not by sight, instructions. This is why I keep telling you, you need to know the word. When you walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by the instructions of God. His instructions are always perfect. They're always good. They always answer. They always supply. And he said to them, go show yourself to the priests. Simple command. But the depth of this command is so profound. You see, in Old Testament Judaism, when you were sick with a community-dissolving disease or you had something that would keep you from the community, you would have to go to the priest and he would have to validate that you were healed. You had to go into the priest and he was the only one who could say, okay, you can go back into community. You can be accepted. When Jesus looked at those men and said to them, go show yourself to the priest, he adds this to it. Let let me show you this. He said, go show yourself to the priest. Now, this is Jesus. They've come to him. They've asked for mercy. They've asked for help. Go show yourself to the priest. In other words, go to church. Let me add that in there. For those of you that are still don't think church matters, let me tell you something. We come to church to celebrate the victories of the week. We come to church on the Sabbath day, he called it, a day of celebration, a day of dedication to the king. It's not Sunday church day, it's the Sabbath day. See, we've forgotten that. We've forgotten it was about the celebrations of how He brought us out, how He fed us, how He kept us, how He delivered us, how He watched over us, how I made it, how I ate, how I drank, how I slept, how I breathed, how I lift up my head, how I can move my arms, how I can blink. And when we get to the house of God, we're supposed to come in with thanksgiving in our heart and praise on our lips. And we're supposed to worship Him because I still blink. I still walk. I still can raise my hand. My hand's not hanging down. I still got a mind. I haven't lost my mind. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I didn't lose my mind this week. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that I didn't lose my arm this week. Thank you, God. Somebody ought to praise Him right now. Come on, somebody praise him right now. Thank God I made it another year. Thank God I got all that another day. 
Uh, just praise him a little bit. Go ahead, praise him a little. I'm going to preach for about three more minutes. The one they asked for mercy, the one they asked for help, the one they called master has heard them. They cried out to God. This is the moment. He says, now go show yourself to the priest. When he made the declaration from here, they still had the lumps. They still had the lesions. They still had the discolored figure. And when he said it, it didn't go away there. See, so many of you think that when you pray to God, everything happens physically there. It didn't happen physically there. But it did happen spiritually. (laughs) Because the only reason he would have told them to go see the priest, you only went to the priest for him to declare that you were healed. In other words, in those days, you had to be healed to go. (laughs) Oh my Lord, if you don't get what I'm trying to say to you. You had to be healed to go to the priest. At the moment he spoke to them at that time, he had declared the results. Oh no, you're not, you're not getting it yet. You're not getting it. You're not getting it. See, you, you think while you're going through the process. So many of you disturb with the process. With what it takes to get to the end of the journey. With what it takes while you, you don't seem to understand the end of the journey. <laughs> Oh, if only you could understand that in the middle of the journey, in the middle of your mess, God hadn't forgotten about you. He already declared the end of the process. When you get to where you're going, it's about, come on, somebody. Come on, he had told them, he said, when you get to the priest, I've already declared you healed. When you get there, you're going to see that you were healed. He will declare your healing. Come on, somebody get what I'm talking about. Stop getting stuck in the middle. It came to pass as they went. We're so immediate in our need. We get mad when the McDonald line is three minutes instead of a minute and a half. What's wrong with them cooks back there? I don't even understand why them waiters are so late. I don't understand. I mean, there's nobody in the building, and I'm sitting out here. They must not have any employees today. Come on, y'all know I'm right. Now we come to God, and he makes a declaration about us and says, when you get there, you're going to see what I did here. Somebody, when you get there, you're going to see what I did here. It came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them saw that he was healed. Here's the picture. Are you ready? Go to the priest. Now, he's declaring their health. They start walking. One of them went like this. One of them was looking. See, now the Samaritan, the Bible says he was a Samaritan. He didn't know the law. He wasn't religious. He didn't even understand why he was going. He didn't even understand why, what he was going to do. And so in the midst of his walking, he starts seeing the transformation. I noticed this about me. Sometimes it's taken a long time for me to get out of something. 
And, and this is the thing. My pastor used to say this to me. He said, don't feed what you don't want to live and feed only what you want. I mean, feed what you want to live and starve what you want to die. Feed what you want to live, starve what you want to die. To feed what you want to live is not about what you're doing. We are doing what we're doing because at the end is the validation. We do these things and then we validate it by the act at the end. The payoff is what we're after. We're always after the pay. People are addicted to porn. This is a terrible example, but they're addicted to porn. Not because of the porn, because of the payoff. Think about what I'm trying to tell you. People are addicted to alcohol not because of the drinking. You understand? They're not in the middle of the drinking. The drinking is not the thing. It's drunk. That's what drinking is about. Drinking is not, it's not like you're drinking water. You have a purpose for drinking. Drinking enables you to have a benefit. It's the benefit. If you want to starve drinking, you have to starve the benefit. You have to say, I'm done with drunk, not done with drinking. Stop trying to overcome drinking. Stop trying to overcome drugs. Start deciding not to get drunk. Start deciding not to be high. I just preached a real mouthful right there. You better figure out why you're fighting in your house. Why are you and your wife fighting like crazy? Why can't you get along? Because at the end somewhere is the payoff. You might not realize it, but you're fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. And we're fighting and fighting. All we do is fight. But there's something that's paying off or you wouldn't do it. Stop feeding the payoff. He's got to go from here to there. There is the payoff. But the walk in between, if he wants that, he's got to do this. I don't think anybody heard what I just said. He's got to go over the hills, down around the woods, through the bushes, and over the trees, and through the this. And go over that and past these people. And, people. and back then, people would yell at you and scream. This is, a, this is a, a person with leprosy. You're not allowed to be in the community. It wasn't a kind journey. He wasn't walking with acceptance and thinking, look at everybody loves me. If you think from you getting from here to the victory, isn't going to come with some purpose and some process and some things on the way. If I've preached a better sermon, tell me when. I'm just telling you, if you get what I'm talking about, if you can get it, it'll come with rejection on the way. It will come with unacceptance on the way. It will come with uncomfortability on the way. It will come with inconvenience along, along the way. It will come with frustration with people along the way. For you to get down to the end of that goal, there'll be people that you don't get along with every minute of every hour of every day. You can't walk off the job. You can't walk off the call. Oh, I'm preaching real good. You got to stay with the plan. You better know the plan. So you got to obey God. When you hurt him, it doesn't matter about the paycheck. It doesn't matter about the inconveniences. But as he's walking... All of a sudden he noticed, not only was it leaving, but it was gone. Now he's, he's checking the whole way, but the Bible says then he turned back around. This is why we're doing the day of thanks. Maybe you'll understand the mercy of God. Maybe you'll understand the grace. Maybe you'll understand how God will bring you out. Maybe you understand you don't have to cry anymore as you're walking down the road towards your victory. Maybe you'll understand that it might be stressful and stress, str uh, struggling along the way. But it's not the, the struggles and the stress are not what you're after. What you're after is the goal. Go show yourself to the priest. The Bible says, and one of them saw he was healed. Not ten this is why I said you better not be one of the nine. You better be able to recognize you may not be where you want to be today. 
but God already told you what tomorrow is. You might not can do what you want to do today, but God already told you what you're going to do tomorrow. Oh, come on, somebody. And if you look back over your life, you'll begin to see how God kept you, how God watched over you, how God delivered you, how God helped you. And he had told you back then, don't worry, girl, you're going to be all right. And he told you back then, don't worry, when you come out of surgery, it's going to be okay. And he told you, don't worry, I'm going to take away that pain because I said I'm going to heal you from all your diseases. And, and, you're gonna, and that's why we praise him. See, right now, we're to begin to thank him and praise him and glorify him. You can't stay. Listen, I woke up. I couldn't, I, I'm just telling you, I was among a guy that was doing plumbing over there in Sumter, sick, and he'd come in with the flu, bad. And when I left the, the, the building over there, I could not swallow. My throat had swollen up to the point I couldn't even swallow. I was sick. I put my hands on my throat because Jesus said, by his stripes, I'm healed. And I started walking toward my goal. I'm not going to have this in my throat. And I commanded that thing to die. Do you know within hours, my throat was totally clear. Everything in my throat was gone. Pain and sickness had been dissolved. The only thing I have left is a little sniffle. And I command that to go in Jesus' name. Because he said here, I could have it here. And one of them saw he was healed. Listen to what he did. And with a loud voice, with a loud voice. He glorified God and he fell down on his face at his feet and gave him thanks because he was a rejected man that God had made whole. That's what a Samaritan is. He was a Samaritan, a rejected man. And he did what religious people wouldn't do. He began to shout. He began to praise. He began to leap and cry. He got down on his face and wept at Jesus' feet. And I want you to know something. That's what this service is about today. It's about us lifting up our hands and giving him praise.